Okay, we're listening about Thoth. Took a couple of pictures of my dog and it cut you off. Smart the trickster. Table or tabula smaragdina. Smaragdina is a compact or cryptic piece of hermetica. Right, important word right there. Reputed to contain the secret of the prima materia and its transmutation. You hear this? It was highly regarded by European alchemists, okay, as the foundation of their art and its hermetic tradition. Okay, this work was started in the whole hermetic tradition. You know what that is about. The original source of the Emerald Tablet is unknown, right? They tell, tell us it's unknown, but we know Tom wrote it, right? I'm going to show you what he says. Although Hermes Trigamestus is Trismegistus. the named in the text. And again, Hermes, we read earlier about Thoth, is also known as Hermes in Greek. So it's the same person. You're going to hear that back, back and forth a lot. So don't get confused. It's first known of him in a book written in Arabic between the 6th and 8th centuries. Very important again, Arabic. The first sources in Arabic. Why Arabic? We'll see that later. Arabic. The text was first translated into Latin in the 12th century. Numerous translations, interpretations, and commentaries followed. The layers of meaning in the Emerald Tablet have been associated with the creation of the Philosopher's Stone. Philosopher's Stone, just like the Kaaba, has a stone, right, in Mecca. Laboratory experimentation, phase transition, the alchemical magnus opus, the ancient classical element system, and the correspondence between ma macrocosm and microcosm. Alright, so this ain't no joke, alright? Nowhere in here said this is fake. Alright, so this is a, considered a historical document or a tablet, whatever you want to call it, right? So, uh, let's go right into the uh, Emerald Tablets of Doth, right? The Atlantean. Again, I'm just going to pick out certain things uh, that uh, basically are going to help uh, with the topic of this video. And the tablet uh, starts out like this, right away. I, Doth, the Atlantean, master of mysteries, keeper of records, mighty king, magician, living from generation to generation, being about to pass into the halls of Amenti, set down for the guidance of those that are to come after. These records of the mighty wisdom of great Atlantis. And Thoth continues, Chosen was I from the sons of men, taught by the dweller so that his purpose might be fulfilled. The dweller, who is that? Purpose is yet unborn in the womb of time. So he's, he's saying that, you know, his plans is going to go beyond, you know, his present time to the future or whatever time, you know, like it, there's no boundaries, like, you know. Long ages I dwelt in the temple, learning ever and yet ever more wisdom. Until I too approached the light emitted from the great fire, light and great fire. Taught me he, perhaps, to lament the underworld, okay, keyword, underworld where the great kings sit upon the throne of might. Deep I bowed in homage before the lords of life, the lords, right, of life, and the lords of death. So these lord things uh, in angelic seem to be titles. Plural. These names like God, gods, lords, you know, these are titles. Again, it's 
continue receiving as my gift the key of life. Free was I of the halls of Amenti, bound not by death to the circle of life. Far to the stars I journeyed until space and time became as naught. Gradually from the kingdoms of Atlantis passed waves of consciousness that had been one with me, only to be replaced by spawn of a lower star, a lower star. In obedience to the law, the word of the master grew into flower. Downward into the darkness turned the thoughts of the Atlanteans, until at last in the wrath arose from his Aguanti, the dweller, and says, this word has no English equivalent. It means a state of detachment. Okay, detach, detach yourself from something. From order, maybe, quite possibly. And they continue speaking the word, calling the power. Deep in the earth's heart, the sons of Fomenti heard and hearing, directing and changing of the flower of fire that burns eternally, changing and shifting, using the logos, logos, key word here, remember the word logos, until that great fire changed its direction. All right, so we're going to start talking about the sinking of Atlantis. We're going to start uh, talking about this part right now. So here it goes. Over the world, then broke the great waters, drowning and sinking, changing Earth's balance, until only the temple of light was left, standing on the great mountain on Undal, still rising out of the water. Some there were who were living, saved from the rush of the fountains. Called to me then the master, saying, Gather ye together, my people, and take them by the arts ye have learned of far across the waters until ye reach the land of the hairy barbarians dwelling in caves of the desert follow there the plan that ye know of so they're saying go across the great water right they're saying go where the hairy barbarians are right hairy barbarians barbaria barbaria was known as you know a lot of the parts of northern africa was called tartaria barbaria sounds very similar says, dwelling in the caves of the desert there is a lot of desert that way right so let's continue uh, gathered I then my people and entered the great ship of the master. Upward we rose into the morning. Dark beneath beneath us lay the temple. Suddenly over it, it rose the waters, vanished from the earth until the time appointed was the great temple. So they're seeing, they got in this kind of ship. Somehow they're looking down, right? I don't know if they're flying. I don't know. You tell me. But... They're looking down, they see the temple getting covered by the waters, it's gone, right? It's vanished from the earth. Alright, so now they're on the ship, let's continue. So as fast we fled toward the sun of the morning. Right, what does that mean? That means they went towards um, the east because that's where the sun rises, right? The sun of the morning, right? So they're in the Atlantic, like Plato said, the Atlantic Ocean, and they're going towards Africa or that side, right? Until beneath us, beneath, until beneath us lay the land of the children of Cam, right? The children of Cam, or Ham, Ham, right? Ham, Cam. And you saw that Thoth had a temple in the city of Cum, on Cam. Let's continue. Raging, they came with cudgels and spears, lifted in anger, seeking to slay and utterly destroy the sons of Atlantis. So they came attacking the children of Cam, like people in the ship and these weird people from Atlantis, right? So they're 
shooting them, right? So look what Thoth did to them, right? It says, Then raised I my staff and directed a ray of vibration, striking them still in their tracks as fragments of stone on the mountain. So he did some kind of technology, some kind of weapon of vibration. Sounds like some sound energy, right? Like the police used the sound thing, right? Frequency. Striking them still in their tracks as fragments of stone of the mountain. So they were like frozen. They couldn't move. Then it, he says, Then spoke I to them in words of calm and peaceful, telling them of the might of Atlantis. So once he had them in a trance or, you know, in a vibration where they can't even move, they have to pay attention or... They're afraid, right? He spoke to them calm and peacefully, like putting a spell on them, right? Tricking them, saying, We were children of the sun and its messengers. Cowed I them by my display of magic science, until at my feet they groveled when I released them. So it says, Cowed, like, you know, made them become afraid, like, made them, made them like, you know, uh, vibrate low. They were afraid of him. And uh, because of his display of the magic science, his weapon, right, his magic science. Again, Thoth was known for magic science, so was Hermes. And we're going to continue to see that as well, magic science, alchemy. All right, and credit to Thoth and Hermes. So as you can see, it seems like he went over towards Egypt and took over. Atlantis sank, and they, they went over towards Egypt, and they just set up shop. He set up shop. I gotta remember who Thoth is, and gone delved really into it, but we're gonna read further on. This is falling angels, right? They did something bad, and that's where they were in Atlantis, and it was destroyed. And we're gonna read that right now with Plato. Plato, so how, is this a fairy tale, right? I mean, we are, we historically uh, use Plato, well, the Greeks use Plato a lot as a philosopher, and he's the one of the first ones who mentioned Atlantis. So the story of Atlantis, actually, well, the word Atlantis comes from him. And uh, all the Greeks that have talked about it. So here it goes. Atlantis was a legendary island realm of the far west which was sunk beneath the ocean by the gods to punish its people for their immorality, right? Punish. The term Atlanteans was also applied by the Greeks to the Phoenician colonies along the Barbary coast of North Africa, right? Barbary coast? Didn't I just tell you Northern Africa was named Barbary? Where did they go? To the hairy barbarians, right? Top says they went towards the hairy barbarians, Africa. Those living in the Atlas Mountains, Atlas. Diodorus Siculus describes the Titan mythology in wars with the Libyan Amazonians. Plato may have the same nation in mind for the names he. Plato may have the same nation in mind for the names of the second Atlantean king Gadarus, after a famous Phoenician colony near the Straits of Gibraltar, Plato's island of Atlantis. On the fourth century B.C. it says, "Many great and wonderful deeds are recorded of your state, Athens, in our the Egyptians' histories." Right? So they're saying this is history for the Greeks. This is history. But one of the thing, but one of them exceeds all the rest in greatness and valor. For these histories tell of a mighty power, Atlantis, which unprovoked made an expedition against the whole of Europe and Asia, and to which your city put an end. This power came forth out of the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, Atlantic Ocean. For in those days the Atlantic was navigable, 
and there was an island situated in front of the straits, which are by you called the pillars of Her Heracles or Hercules, right? The Strait of Gibraltar. So he's saying that in those days the, the Atlantic was navigable because during the Greeks' time they couldn't cross over. Why do you think they took so long to get to America? Why do you think the Greeks and all these people went and conquered? They couldn't get through there after it seems Atlantic sank. Remember, we're seeing we're we're saying that Atlantic sank that part at least, which was a, it was all of America. Okay, it was just a little piece that sank. Somehow it was uh, all together, and because of what happened, it's not navigable anymore during the time of Plato and all these ancient Greeks. They can't cross over. They're telling you right here, it was navigable. That means he can't navigate in his time. Let's continue. The island was larger than Libya and Asia put together and was the way to the other islands. So it was bigger than Asia, right? So it was bigger than a continent, it was bigger than Libya. They used to consider Northern Africa and most of Africa Libya. So imagine bigger than two continents, right? Because Europe was considered Asia too, so bigger than three continents. So that, they're talking about the whole Americas, again, I'm telling you. Right? And it was put together, it says, and it was the way to other islands, many islands, right? And from there you might pass to the whole of the opposite continent, which which surrounded the true ocean. So it says you can cross over, you know, if you cross over from, you know, Atlantis, you get to the true ocean. What is that? Are they referring to the Pacific Ocean? Okay. For this sea, which is within the Straits of Heracles, is only a harbor, having a narrow entrance, but the other is a real sea. And the surrounding land may be most truly called a boundless continent. Alright, again, so Doth left Atlantis, right, towards the east, towards the children of Cam, or Ham, right? So Cam, where is Cam? Again, Egypt, right? Let's look at right here, it says Kemenu. The ancient Egyptian name of the city means eight town, after the Ogdod, a group of eight deities who represented the world before creation. The name survived into Coptic as Shimone from which the modern name El Shimonein is derived. In Greek, the city was called Hermopolis. Again, there goes Hermopolis again. After Hermes, again, Hermes, whom the Greeks identified with Doth, okay, with Doth, because the, because the city was the main cult center of Doth. It's the main cult center of Doth, Hermopolis. Remember that. The, pharaoh, the pharaonic god of magic, healing and wisdom, and the patron of scribes. Doth was associated in the same way with the Semitic Eshmun. Inscriptions at the temple called the God, the Lord of Eshmun. As Doth was credited with the creation of numbers, of branches of knowledge, law, magic, philosophy, religion, science, and writing, he was thought to be an infallible judge, capable of rendering completely just decisions. The Greeks admired him so greatly that they credited him as the originator of all knowledge on earth and in the heavens. He was so important to the gods, and especially to Ra, that he was the god chosen to retrieve Ra's daughter from the distant lands she sometimes fled to. Right, so you see how he was very important in those times, man. They're giving him credit to everything. Knowledge, all knowledge. Well, what happened to the Creator, the Most High? Sounds like this guy hijacked everything. Alright, so let's continue to read. I want you to get that into your mind. Start seeing 
how important the, the role that, that, that Don, her music, you know, his character had in these times, which was an important role. Dov's Egyptian name was Dijihuti, Dijuti, meaning he who is like the Ibis, right, like the bird, again. The Ibis was a sacred bird in ancient Egypt, as well as a popular pet and associated with wisdom. Other forms popular of his name head. are Tehuti, 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 Sehuri, Techu, Tetu, and the lord of Kememnu, Kem, again the later city of Hermopolis, there we go again, Hermopolis, which was his major cult center. Hermopolis was so named because of the Greek association of Doth with their god Hermes, and to the Greeks, Doth became Hermes Trigemistus, Doth, <clears throat> the tribe's great, often given as three times great, great. He was also known as Lord of Mat, Lord of Divine Words, scribe of Mat in the company of gods. He might be called uh, Trismegistus thrice great because he um, he died and was reborn three times. <laughs> died three times. And as a just and incorruptible judge, Bob was inserted in many tales as the wise counselor and persuader, and his association with learning and measurement led him to be connected with Sheshat, Sheshat, the earliest deification of wisdom, who was said to be his daughter, or variably his wife. Thoth's qualities also led him being identified by the Greeks with their closest matching god, Hermes, with whom Thoth was eventually combined as Hermes, Trismegistus, also leading to the Greek name in Thoth's cult center at Hermopolis, meaning city of Hermes. It is also considered that Thoth was the scribe of the gods rather than a messenger. Ampu or Hermanubis was viewed as the messenger of the gods as he traveled in and out of the What's underworld wrong, and presented maybe? himself to the gods and to the humans. Yeah. So you see that uh, relation, that, that name, how close it is to Hermes. It's Hermanubis. So he was the messenger, he went to the underworld, just like Thoth Hermanubis. So let's continue. Anubis. It is more widely accepted that Thoth was a record keeper, not a divine messenger. In the papyrus of Ani, copy of the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the scribe proclaims, I am thy writing palace, O Thoth and I have brought unto thee thine ink jar. I am not of those who work iniquity in their secret places. Let not evil happen unto me. Alright, so it says chapter something here, Budge. Of the Book of the Dead is by the oldest tradition said to be the work of Thoth himself. So, Thoth is credited for the Book of the Dead, just that famous Egyptian book, which we see in movies like The Mummy. Alright, so there was also an Egyptian pharaoh of the 16th dynasty named Dejehuti, Thoth, after him, 
who reigned for three years. So 16th dynasty, right? Three years. All right, so we know that Thoth said that he came out of Atlantis and he went over to Egypt. So Thoth is being associated with a pharaoh, right? So, so basically, um, there's a lot of uh, evidence showing, if you've seen my past videos as well, and other videos from other people on YouTube, you know, the ancient world, Egypt, the Old Testament was on this side of the earth. Uh, in the Americas, and when they referred to Atlantis, they were referring to the whole continent, the whole, all the civilizations, or the empires, uh, kingdoms that were in America, okay, or ancient Egypt as well, so when the Greeks are talking to, or referring to Atlantis, they were referring to the ancient Egyptian uh, empire, which was in the Americas, and Atlantis was part of it. Well, they were ruling, you know, these ten kings of Atlantis ruled, and something happened, so they were punished, and that ended so um i mean there's evidence here in the grand canyon but there seems to be uh over 2000 archaeological sites huh? in the grand canyon uh egyptian or whatever other civilization they have there uh, indian seems to be a buddha temple um and only three of them have been excavated and i mean the rest of it is sealed the fbi has it sealed so just wanted to read this uh, to you it will, i found it in the internet um, not exactly sure what book it's from, but I found it very interesting. So let me let me read it first, real quick. It says in yellow here, we are not indebted to either ancient Egypt for either religion or masonry, but to America. It is in fact that at Memphis, Egypt, in the pyramids, under the guidance of the kings and the mystic rites of masonry, were worked many thousands of years ago. But at that time, Egypt and the continent of America were one and the same. So it was the same thing, there was no distinction. So they're not saying that it was in America, but they're saying it was the same thing. So, okay, so you, you put it together. And it continues here, it says, in America, rediscovered in the 15th century and repopulated in the 17th, was recovered Egypt and the promised land or the land of the constellation of the eagle. So there, this book's clearly staining. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a, one of those called Mason books. You know they hide all the secrets, and we're gonna know. We're gonna see how they got started. I mean, this is all from Thoth. This all started with Thoth. So, and one of the keywords here would be the constellation of the eagle, right? Eagle, another bird. Okay, we're gonna start seeing birds associated with Thoth, the EVs, right? Modern occultists suggest that some hermetic te texts may be of pharaonic origin, and that the legendary 42 essential texts that contain the core her hermetic religious beliefs and philosophy of life remain hidden in a secret library. Some trans readings of Edgar Cayce reveal that Hermes, or Thoth, was an engineer from the submerged Atlantis who also built, designed, or directed the construction of the pyramids of Egypt. Okay, so, so this is what I, uh, okay, so, let's recap, right? So, we see that modern occultists, you know, use this hermetic uh, teachings, and we're going to learn what hermetic is, uh, you know, in their practices, in their secret societies, right? So, right here, it's saying that um, they give credit to Thoth for building the pyramids, and we told you that, um, Ancient Egypt was in America, right? So, we see that the Jehuti started around the 16th uh, dynasty, it says in Wikipedia. We see that there was a major hijack at that point. When Thoth set up shop in Egypt, it was in those periods from the 16th, 17th, and 18th dynasty. At that point was when the, 
the Egypt, the modern Egypt that we know of today, the pyramids, and the big, the three big pyramids, that's when it was uh, established and built. And modern scholars will tell you they don't know how Samaria and Egypt and all these civilizations started out of nothing. There's no like written record of, of the track of how it, they just all of a sudden knew how to write, how to build, had math, had everything, all of a sudden. And we know now why, because we know that Thoth and the Atlanteans set up shop with the sons of Cam, right? The sons of Ham, the children of Cam and Cam in Egypt. And so he taught him all these things. That's why they gave him credit, as we read before, uh, for creating all of knowledge. Because he came and taught him all these arts that they didn't know, all these sciences that they didn't know. Right? This fallen angel teachings uh, from Atlantis. Alright, so let's continue, okay? So another uh, recurring theme with uh, Thoth uh, would be alchemy, right? So let's read a little bit about alchemy, right? Says in about 380s, Sosimos provided one of the first definitions of alchemy as a study of the composition of waters, movement, growth, and embodying and disembodying, drawing the spirits from bodies and bonding the spirits within bodies. In general, Sosimos' understanding of alchemy reflects the influence of Hermetic and Gnostic spirituality. He asserted that the falling angels taught the art of metallurgy to the women they married. An idea also rec recorded in the Book of Enoch, and later repeated in the Gnostic uh, Apocryphon of John. In a fragment preserved by Sincelus, Sosimus wrote, The ancient and divine writers say that the angels became enamored of women, and descending taught them all the works of nature. From them, therefore, is the first tradition, Shema, concerning these arts. For they called this book Shema, and hence the science of chemistry takes its name. Alright, so look, falling angels, right? Who, who am I telling you about this, right? And all these angels, uh, gods from the past, these falling angels, right? Genesis 6 tells us that, you know, the sons of God came down to the uh, daughters of men, and out of them came the Nephilim, right? The giants. So, how far is the story? How far fetched is all this story? Alright? Okay. Continue. Etymology of uh, chemistry, right? Oh, chema, oh, chema, as I was saying it before, I was saying it wrong, but it's chema, right? So here we go. The word alchemy was borrowed from Old French, alchemia, alchemy, taken from medieval Latin, alchemia, and which is in turn borrowed from Arabic, alchemia. The Arabic word is borrowed from late Greek, chemia. Chemia, with the agglutination, agglutination of the Arabic definite article. This ancient Greek word was derived from the early Greek name for Egypt. Okay? Chemia, based on the Egyptian name for Egypt, Chem, black earth, as opposed to the red desert sand. So the medieval Latin form was influenced by Greek chemia, meaning mixture, and referring to pharmaceutical chemistry. So... Thoth wrote in the Emerald Tablets that he went to the sons of Cam, right? So, Cam means Egypt, and that's where you get chemistry or alchemy. Okay, let's keep going. The central figure in mythology of alchemy is Hermes Trismegistus, or Trice Great Hermes. His name is derived from the god Thoth, and his Greek counterpart, Hermes. So, these three people are the same entity, same person. Hermes and his Caduceus or serpent staff were among alchemy's principal symbols. 
According to Clement of Alexandria, he wrote that he wrote what were called the 42 books of Hermes, covering all fields of knowledge. The Hermetica of Trite's great Hermes is generally understood to form the basis for Western alchemical philosophy and practice, called the Hermetic philosophy by its early practitioners. These writings were collected in the first centuries of the Common Era. So top is Hermes, right? So let's read about Hermes. Hermes is an Olympian god in Greek religion and mythology, the son of Zeus, and the Pleiad Maya, and the second youngest of the Olympian gods, Dionysus being the youngest. Hermes was the emissary and messenger of the gods. So, just like Thoth was uh, secretary to Ra, if we remember, right? Thoth was secretary to Ra. He was like mediator between the two worlds. So we're gonna we're reading right now that Hermes as well is an emissary and messenger of the gods says here Hermes was also the divine trickster a divine trickster we're gonna start seeing that word related to Thoth and Hermes as well trickster right all right and the god of boundaries and transgression of boundaries so somebody who didn't follow rules or, or, or order transgression of boundaries all right Hermes is Thoth so it's the same person the patron of herdsmen thieves graves and heralds he is described as moving freely between the worlds of the mortal and divine and was the conductor of souls in the afterlife, just like Thoth. He was also viewed as the protector and patron of roads and travelers. Continuing with Hermes, it says, The Epithets of Hermes, right here, it says, The Atlantiades. Hermes was also called Atlantiades because of his mother Maya, was the daughter of Atlas. Right, so who was also from Atlantis? Thoth, right? He said it himself, he came from Atlantis in the Emerald Tablets. Right, you see another correlation here. And it says Kriophoros. Kriosphoros. Kriosphoros. Kriophoros. In ancient Greek called Kriophoros. Or Krophodus. The ram bearer is a figure that come commemorates the solemn sacrifice of a ram. It becomes an epithet of Hermes. Hermes Kriophoros. So another interpretation or not a depiction of Hermes, aka Thoth. Alright, remember this Cleophotos. We're gonna see how important this is later. And it says the Argifontes, Hermes Epithet, meaning Argus Slayer, recalls the slaying of the hundred-eyed giant, Argus Panoptes, it says. And who was watching over the hyphen nymph, lo, in the sanctuary of Queen Hera, herself in Argus. Hermes placed a charm of Argus' eye with the caduceus to cause the giant to sleep. After this, he slew the giant. Argus' eyes were then put into the tail of the peacock. Okay, peacock, a symbol of the goddess Hera. So peacock, we're hearing about the peacock and another bird, right? And it continues, messenger and guide. And it says here, the chief office of the god was as messenger. So the chief office of the god was as messenger. Hermes. The messenger is in fact only seen in this role for Zeus from within the pages of the Odyssey. Continuing with Hermes, in some myths he is a trickster, once again, and outwits other gods for his own satisfaction or for the sake of humankind. humankind. So he outwits other gods for his satisfaction. So he even transgresses against other gods or, or other fallen angels, right? His attributes and symbols include the herma, the rooster, again another bird right there, the tortoise, satchel or pouch, winged sandals and winged cat. His main symbol is the Greek 
Kedikeon, uh, or Latin Caduceus, which appears in a form of two snakes wrapped around a winged staff with carvings of other gods. In the Roman adaptation of the Greek pantheon, Hermes is identified with the Roman god Mercury. Alright, so you see, Hermes is Mercury, a.k.a. Thoth. Right, so there you, you start seeing that Thoth is playing important roles everywhere in all these civilizations. They're just changing his name. Who, though, inherited from the Etruscans developed many similar characteristics, such as being a patron of commerce. Okay, so we got this other character, right? Hermes Trismegistus, or Gistus. But we're going in circles here. We know it's the same character, it's the same person. So it says here. Is purported author of the Hermetic Corpus, a series of sacred texts that are basis of Hermetism. And it says the name means thrice greatest Hermes, or three times great. Origin and identity, it says here about Hermes Trimegistus, may be a representation of the syncretic combination of the Greek god Hermes and Egyptian god Thoth. Greek and Hellenistic Egypt recognize the equivalence of Hermes and Thoth. Consequently, the two gods were worshipped as one in what had been the Temple of Thoth and Chemnu, the Temple of Thoth and Chemnu, which the Greeks called Hermopolis. It says here, the Hermetic literature among the Egyptians, which was concerned with conjuring spirits and animating statues, informed the oldest Hellenistic writings on Greco-Babylonian astrology and on the newly developed practice of alchemy. In parallel tra tradition, Hermetic philosophy rationalized and systematized religious cult practices and offered an adept a means of personal ascension from constraints of physical being. This later tradition has led to the confusion of Hermetism with Gnosticism, which was developing contemporaneously. As a divine source of wisdom, Hermes Trigamestus was credited with tens of thousands of highly esteemed writings which were reputed to be of immense antiquity. Plato's Timius and Critias states that in the temple of Naif in Sais, there were secret halls containing historical records which had been kept for 9,000 years. Clement of Alexandria was under the impression that the Egyptians had 42 sacred writings of Hermes, writings that detailed the training of Egyptian priests. Siegfried Morins has suggested in Egyptian religion the reference to Thoth's authorship is based on ancient tradition. The figure 42 probably stems from the number of Egyptian gnomes and thus conveys the notion of completeness. The Neoplatonic writers took up Clement's 42 essential texts. Alright, so this hermetic literature, uh, very powerful stuff, man. And stuff that I don't really want to get into, but it says here it's about uh, conjuring spirits and animating statues. And also says that it helped rationalize religious cult practices. So we're going to start seeing how Thoth, Hermes, and all these things they were doing in Egypt, how it led to all these mystery uh, schools, they say, uh, secret societies, which were practicing these religious uh, practices that uh, Hermes and Thoth were teaching, right? From there, we're going to have a strong correlation to the religions we see today, so it helped help rationalize and systematized religious cult practices, okay? So a little bit more about this uh, hermetic literature, right? It says here, the hermetica is a category of papyri containing spells and initiatory induction procedures. The dialogue called 
the Aclepius, after the Greek god of healing, describes the art of imprisoning the souls of demons or angels in statues with the help of herbs, gems, and odors, so that the statue could speak and engage in prophecy. In other papyri, there are recipes for constructing such images and animated them, such as when images are to be fashioned, hollow, closing magic, names, Christ, twenty-fold, among other things, who was identified by Neplotonist mystics and alchemists with the Egyptian god Doth as Hermes Trismegistus, Trice Great Hermes, who supposedly invented the process of making glass tube airtight, a process in alchemy using a secret seal, hence completely sealed. Secret societies, secret proceedings, masons. Alright, so we're starting to see that these teachings of Thoth and Hermes are starting to become uh, worshipped, you know, there's, and only by a select few as well, so it's being held secret, right, in these secret circles. So it says here, worship and cult. Prior to being known as Hermes, Frodenham thought the god to have existed as a snake god. Angelo 1997 thinks Hermes to be based on the Thoth archetype. The absorbing combining of the attributes of Hermes to Thoth developed after the time of Homer amongst Greek and Roman. Herodotus was the first to identify the Greek god with the Egyptian Hermopolis. Plutarch and Theodorus also, although Plato thought that the god to be dissimilar. A cult was established in Greece in remote regions, likely making him a god of nature, farmers and shepherds. It is also possible that since the beginning he has been a deity 
with shamanic attributes linked to divination, reconciliation, magic, sacrifices, and initiation and contact with other planes of existence, a role of mediator between the worlds of the visible and invisible. Okay, so initiation. Who does initiations in modern day? Secret circles. Now, so could these teachings, you know, possibly be the foundation of our religions of today? Christianity, Islam, and all the other ones that come out of those two main ones? So it says here, many Christian writers, including Lactantius, Augustine, Giordano Bruno, Marsilio Ficino, Campanella, and Giovanni Pico della Mirandola, considered Hermes Trigemistus to be a wise pagan prophet who foresaw the coming of Christianity. So, <laughs> they're calling him foresaw a wise pagan him. prophet. He was pagan, <laughs> but they're still calling him a prophet. Why? Yes, as he foresaw the coming of Christianity. How are they related that to him? Well, we're going to see. They believed in a Prisca theology, theologia. They believed, sorry, they believed in the Prisca theologia, the doctrine that a single true theology exists, which threads through all religions. It was given by God to man in antiquity and passed through a series of prophets, which included Zoroaster and Plato. Sorcerer was another uh, Jesus type uh, savior. In order to demonstrate the verity of the Prisca Theologia, Christians appropriated the Hermetic teachings for their own purposes. So, what did the Christians do? <laughs> In order to demonstrate the, ver the verity of the Prisca Theologia, Christians appro appropriated the Hermetic teachings for their own purposes. By this account, Hermes Trismegistus was either a contemporary of Moses or the third in line of men named Hermes, Enoch, Noah, and the Egyptian priest who is known to us as Hermes Trismegistus on account of being the greatest priest, philosopher, and king. So it's very important here as you can see that you know Christianity or they're telling us here they appropriated the Hermetic people for their own purposes. So why is it telling us that? We're going to see Islamic tradition. Sayyid Ahmed Amiruddin has pointed out that Hermes Trigemistus has a major place in Islamic tradition. He writes, Hermes Trigemistus is mentioned in the Quran in verse 1956-57, mentioned in the book Idris that he was truthful, a prophet. We took him up to a high place. The Jabirian Corpus contains the oldest documented source for the Emerald Tablet, or Hermes Trismegistus, translated by Jabir ibn Haydn, for the Hashemid Caliph, or Baghdad Harun al-Rashid, the Abbasid. Alright, so what did it just tell us, man? I mean, listen <laughs> to what it's telling us here. It's telling that Hermes Trismegistus is mentioned in the Quran, okay? And it says that Idris, one of their prophets, and we're going to show you who Idris is later on. You're going to see how it links to Hermes and Thoth. Says that he says that he was truthful, a prophet, and we took him up to a high place. So why is the Quran saying Hermes? This occult, uh, science, uh, spirit conjuring, uh, magician. Why do they call him a prophet? Okay. What do you think all this stuff for genies? 
and the flying the carpets and all that come out of you know, this region of the Middle East. You see, it's Dauphin Hermes teachings now. Let's keep reading. Sorry, Jabir ibn Hayyan, a Shaykh, identified as Jabir al-Sufi, was a student of Jafar al-Sadiq, Hussein ibn Ali's great-grandson. Thus, for the Abbasids and the Alids, the writings of Hermes Trismegistus were considered sacred. As an inheritance from the Al-Albayit, Al these writings were recorded by the Ink Juan al-Safa, and subsequently translated from Arabic into Persian, Turkish, then Hebrew, Russian, and English. In these writings, Hermes Trismegistus is identified as Idris, Okay, Idris, the infallible prophet who traveled to outer space from Egypt and to heaven whence he brought back Adam and the black stone when he landed on earth in India. So, because the ancient earth was all called the three Indias, right? The three Indias. So, the black stone, Kaaba, right? The Kaaba has the black stone they're talking about in Mecca. So, again, we can see some kind of... Uh, Hermetic foundation with um, Christianity and Islam. We're gonna go in depth into this with both religions later on. Again, here it goes. Hermetism. Also called Hermetism is a religious, philosophical, and esoteric tradition based primarily upon writing attributed to Trismegistus. Tries great. These writings have greatly influenced the Western esoteric tradition and were considered to be of great importance during both the Renaissance and the Reformation. Okay, you hearing this? Very important. Their tradition claims descent from Prisca Theologia, a doctrine that affirms the existence of a single true theology that is present in all religions and that was given by God to man in antiquity. It's present in all religions. Okay, you see what, what I'm trying to tell you here, right? Because we're about to go, we're about to dive in deep. We're about to take it to another level right now, all right? So I hope you're ready. And I'm glad you're still here after now. Huh. All right, so mm -hmm. before we continue, let's just recap a little bit, right? So we've been able to see that that dog, Hermes Mercury, Hermes uh, Trismegistus uh, are the same uh, identi identity, deity, uh, person, character. And it doesn't end there. We're going to see the many manifestations of God. I thought it's going to continue. I'm going to show you everything else. Again, a recurring theme with these characters at top is writing, alchemy, scribe, Magic. record keeper, messenger, writing. knowledge, underworld, God, magic, science, secretary or assistant. And that's interesting because we're about to uh, go in to the uh, OHP uh, Bible. If you haven't heard of this book, it's a really crazy book, but um, huh. you know, Drop Nation, you know, they we take out the baby, so we go into these documents. Take out the baby. You know, we don't know if they're real or not, but we take out what is necessary. You know, what we feel is a foundational truth somewhere, so we can pull it out, right? And we can use it and put the pieces together of the puzzle, right, that we're building. Now we're gonna start hearing about angels, so let's let's read a little bit about an angel. Right. It says uh, an angel, especially oh, according to Abrahamic oh, religions and Zoroastrianism, is a spiritual being superior to humans in power and intelligence. 
Angels are typically described as benevolent, dreadful, and endowed with wisdom and knowledge of earthly events, but not infallible, for they strive with each other, and God has to make peace between them. So, angels fight between each other, right? And God has to make peace between them, right? Alright, so let's keep going. Most of them serve either as intermediaries between heaven and earth or as a guardian spirit. The key word there, intermediaries. They are studied in the theological doctrine of angelology. In Christian science, the word angel is used to refer to an inspiration from God. The use of the term is extended to refer to artistic depictions of the spirits. And it is also used figuratively to refer to messengers and to harbingers and to people who possess high qualities of goodness, purity, selflessness, intelligence, or beauty. So you can see all the things that uh, the word angel, the energy, uh, it carries the word uh, angel, right? Angels are referred to in connection with their spiritual missions as, for instance, the angel which, was, which has redeemed an interpreter, right? An interpreter. The angel that destroyed, the messenger of the covenant, angel of his presence and a band of angels of the evil all right sounds like top a lot let's look at the etymology of the word angel it says here the word angel is in english a blend of old english angel with a hard e in old french angeli both derived from late latin angelus messenger again messenger just like mercury top hermes which in turn was borrowed from late Greek Angelos, according to uh, RSP Beaks. Angelos itself may be an oriental loan, like Persian-mounted courier. The, word, the word's earliest form is Mycenaean. A.K. Rowe attested in Linear B syllabic script. The Angelos is the default Septuagint's translation of the biblical Hebrew term Malak, denoting simply messenger without specifying its nature. In the Latin Vulgate, the meaning becomes bifurcated when Malak or Angelus is supposed to denote a human message. Words like Angelus or Legatus are applied. If the word refers to some supernatural being, the word Angelus appears. Such differentiation has been taken over by later vernacular translations of the Bible, early Christian and Jewish exegetes, and eventually modern scholars. Again, just a reminder, Hermes, right? Stop, right? Hermes was the hey, emissary and messenger of the gods. Hermes was also a divine trickster. Hey! So Hermes was a messenger what the fuck you doing and in a here? trickster. Get out of here! Mercury. Says here, like yeah. Hermes, he was also a god Come of on, messages. Scram. Eloquence and of trade, particularly of the grain trade. So Mercury also is known as a messenger or the god of messages. Let's continue. And Thoth says here, it is also considered that Thoth was the scribe of the gods, rather than a messenger. Ampu or Her Hermanubis, so you go again, Hermanubis, was viewed as the messenger of the gods, as he traveled in and out of the underworld and presented himself to the gods and to the humans. So, there's a strong correlation also with this Ampu, or the dog-headed uh, god uh, of Egypt, Anubis, Her Hermanubis, uh, with Thoth. You know, if, if we were to correlate Anubis and all the other pe uh, gods that Thoth was, I mean, this video wouldn't end. So, yeah. as you can see, Thoth was also like a messenger. He was uh, back and forth, just like an messenger angel can be gods. back and forth, an intermediary. We read that already. So, God, God, uh, Thoth was also one uh, as well.
It says here, examples of supernatural messengers are the Malak, Yahweh, who is either a messenger from God, an aspect of God such as the Logos, or God himself as the messenger, the Theophanic Angel. Archangel Gabriel, also identified as Abruel, Jibril, Giburili, Serafili. Gabriel means God is my strength. Gabriel told Elizabeth and Mary of the coming births of John the Baptist and Jesus. Gabriel is known as the messenger. She guides hopeful parents through conception and adoption process. Turning flashlight off. She also helps people involved in arts and communication. Additionally, Gabriel is the patron saint of messengers. Those who work for broadcasting and telecommunications such as radio and television, remote sensing, postal workers, clerics, diplomats, and collectors. Alright, so Gabriel. Alright, so we're about to go into the Washington Bible. And uh, I think you guys are ready for it now. So it took me an hour to get to this part of the video, but I think it was uh, worth it. I had to establish uh, certain things with you regarding Thoth, the history, and all that's coming out of uh, what we're learning from Thoth. Alright, so just a reminder, you know, Dr. we just surfed the wave. We're just going to get the babies out of here, right? So it says, Dio Aspi, a new Bible in the words of Jehovah and his angel ambassadors, a sacred history of the dominions of the higher and lower heavens on the earth for the past 24,000 years, together with the synopsis of the cosmogony of the universe, the creation of planets, the creation of man, the unseen worlds, the labor and glory of God and gods and goddesses in the ethereal heavens, with the new commandments of Jehovah to man of the present day, with revelation from the second resurrection formed in words in the 33rd year of the Cosman era. Alright, so this is the book. Let's get into it. So I'm just going to want to show you the glossary uh, in this book. Some of these words. Very interesting. I wanted to see. So you can kind of get the idea of where this book takes you. So um, the very first word here, uh, it says Algonquin, right? The United States of the North American Indians before the destruction of the Christian. By the Christians. So is that what they call themselves? Instead of America, was it actually called the Gonquin? Gonquin tribes were numerous and, and covered a lot of the land in the United States. So let's continue. Archangel, angels next in rank to gods who dwell in certain arcs in Etheria. They generally come in the dawn of a cycle to give new inspiration to mortals. So they give inspiration to mortals, okay, intermediaries. Right, messengers. While they remain with mortals, as during the last few years, good mortals become more angelic toward one another. Okay? It says here, Babel, confounded by compounding too many things together, as the Jihaic language, Babel, confused the language. Beast, the animal man, the earthly part of man, anything that is enforced as a religion, anything that is enforced as a religion, not it's not something that is natural that you're born with. Hawa. Belial or Belial or Baal. One of the seven Hebrew tetracts. Hypocrisy. Crawling. See Satan. 
and then down here says Bra or Brahman, wisdom, knowledge. Bra was the founder of the Brahmanism and was contemporaneous with Abraham, which means that he lived in the same time, hmm. or Abraham. See first book of God, and under the false God, Enoch, the word Brahma became synonymous with warrior. Continuing with the glossary, it says here uh, in the top, Buddha, wisdom, knowledge, but afterward, under the false god, Kabbalaktu, the word Buddha became synonymous with warrior, Kalabaktis. And after that, Christ, or Christe, wisdom, knowledge, education. After the false god, Luamon, falsely took this name, it became synonymous with warrior. So it was hijacked. Christians, or Christian, a brotherhood of warriors. They were named Christians in the derision derision by the Hebrews, one who rushes into multitude of rioters and with a sword enforces peace is a true Christian. You hearing this? A people whose faith is in arms and standing armies. Okay? The following words are synonymous: Brahma, Buddha, Christ, Christe, Baal, Ashtaroth, Dagon, Vishnu, Ashdod, knowledge, mm-hmm. wisdom. Krishna, light, po, te'in, wa, manido, and in fact, is core of others. Alright, so you see everything that's related and synonymous with Christian or Christ, Christe, which was hijacked by Luamon. We're going to read about Luamon. Okay? Remember that Christian, he was the one who hijacked. And of course, Christe. So in the bottom says Div, or Diva, or Divinity. A parliament of lords in the lower heavens. The divan laws were in use 3,000 years ago. So diva, a parliament of lords. So calling all these artists divas, right? Let's continue. And it says here, Ham, Ham on top. Cosmological name of Egypt, right? Where did Top go? When he left Atlantis, he went to the sons of Cam in Egypt. Cam. Cam means Egypt. Cam, uh, the word for chemistry alchemy and ham right cosmological name of egypt the followers of abraham bestowed that country's name on him after they settled there one who was black with sunburn okay continue lord right so diva is a right lord a god of the earth or a part of the earth a god of the earth you hear this not of heaven a god of the earth or part of the earth, next lower in rank than the god of heaven and earth. So it's a rank, right? It's a title. The first exalted rank an angel receives in heaven is Asaf. The second is Ashar. The third is Luis. The fourth, Marshal. And the fifth, Lord. And the sixth, God. So these these words are just titles. That doesn't mean Hawa, the creator, the breath of life says marshals are rather vice lords and are not titled the first title is lord the second god god sometimes appoints a lord to a single city on earth sometimes one to a nation a lord's minor dominion is 100 million angels and a major several thousand millions lords must have passed beyond the second resurrection before eligibility you hear all this crazy stuff all right so off the Lord, right? Most likely. So it says Osiris, Osiris, 
and we're gonna uh i'm starting to link off to all these ancient egyptian gods somehow um they just gave him different names for the different roles he played but it's the same person so osiris is the philosophy of measurement Toph is also known as measurement right 